0: Come, um, Holy Spirit, come that through your living word we may be guided into the love of God in our neighborhoods and for all the world. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning's passage is the kind of thing that freaks people out about Christians, Especially in our modern Western culture, with its emphasis on diversity and tolerance, Jesus' command to go out and make disciples just seems arrogant, or offensive, dangerous, or destructive even. Go out and make disciples is one of the reasons why Christianity went from a small Jewish sect to the world's largest religion. It's why missionaries came to North America to spread the good news among indigenous people, and it's why they continue to plant themselves in Africa. This command is part of the reason for churches signing on to run residential schools for the Canadian government. And this is, you can blame this passage for why Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons come knocking at our doors. All because of this passage. This passage usually called the Great Commission. These are Jesus' instructions to his followers to go out and make disciples of all nations. It freaks people out simply because of the image that it conjures. Christians steamrolling the world and forcing conversion. It freaks people out because it's burdened with so much historical baggage, much done in the name of Jesus, much that's true, but much that's untrue as well. One way we'll respond to this is by getting defensive. We'll skirt the issue, downplay negative things that Christians have done in the name of Jesus. Things weren't that bad. People actually meant well. Or we'll point out how Christianity has helped produce the best in the modern West and culture. Or the other way we respond is by ignoring Jesus' instructions altogether and kind of running as far away as we can from them. I remember the United Church Observer, which you can sign up for again, by the way, the monthly magazine published by our denomination in the United Church of Canada. It took an ad out in the secular... Walrus Magazine, the ad led with the headline, we won't try to convert you. Don't worry. We won't try to convert you. Out of shame or embarrassment, we see just making disciples as something primitive as best, something that modern people just don't do, or we see it as evil at worst. But the truth is that like so many things in life, it's complicated. Following Jesus' instructions to make disciples can be arrogant, it can be oppressive, but it can also be life-giving. See, they're trying to drown out, they're like, oh, those Christians are at it again. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> uh, it can be arrogant, oppressive, uh, but it also can be life-giving. I mean, we wouldn't be here today without it. I mean, we're gathered here today for some reason. I know countless people have been transformed by it, even in this room. Even they are among us. And I wouldn't be the same person that God is making me into today. I owe my life as it is to someone following these instructions. So it can also be transformational, it can also be, at its best, life changing. So the question for us is how do you tell the difference between the two? How do we follow Jesus' instructions to make disciples without falling into arrogance or coercion? You know, the stuff that freaks people out. Probably freaks some of us out. Something I've always found helpful when it comes to the teachings of Jesus is what I'll call the IKEA approach. The IKEA approach. By the IKEA approach, I mean rereading the instructions. Don't just look at them once, then toss them along with your Allen key into the recycling bin because you figured out you could take it from there. But keep rereading the instructions Jesus gives over and over again because if you don't, like, you know your ikea bork bookshelf your end product is going to be a twisted perversion of the original or maybe that's just my experience with building ikea maybe this is totally me maybe it's not you maybe you're great without the instructions but the ikea approach so let's look again at the instructions let's read jesus great commission closely and carefully okay so page 1 page 1 drop your pre-existing agenda drop your pre-existing agenda all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me jesus says here because in the thinking of the new testament the world under the powers the world is under the powers of sin and death and has rebelled against god's original good intent for creation. Other spiritual forces have attempted to take the authority that only belongs to God, whether it's kings, rulers, governments, powers, religious institutions, or the like. In Jesus' time, the spirituality served the agenda of the religious authorities, who served the agenda of the empire of Rome, who, according to Matthew, served the agenda of the devil. And for us, we can get confused like this. We can get confused about it and bring a different agenda. When it came to First Nations folk, we assumed that making disciples meant making Europeans or good English-speaking Canadians. We confused the good news of Jesus with Western culture. We came with a different agenda other than the gospel. Often, not always, but often. So often our agendas serve authorities other than Jesus. Nations, governments, governments, politics, ideologies, and will do anything, will stop at nothing to achieve them. But Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth, every place in the every corner of the universe has been given to me. To follow Jesus agenda as articulated by the Lord's prayer is God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, to bring heaven and earth together to mend God's image in humanity and nullify its great divorce from God. Fullness of life for every creature. So we've got to drop our agendas in order to fully embrace Jesus' agenda of loving God, loving neighbor. That's the first page of the instruction. Drop the agenda. Instruction number one, drop the agenda. Okay? Okay. The second page of the instruction booklet goes like this. Start outside your own doors. Start outside the door of the church. Go, therefore, Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations. So often the Christian life is internally focused, all about the church, all about bringing people into the church to join up and be more like us. Bringing people to church isn't a bad thing, of course. Please, invite all of your friends, everybody you know. But when we focus only on coming to church and focus only on our individual spiritualities, we miss that the mission field, the place where God sends us, is primarily out those doors. I think we should paint Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, just above the door, just as you go out, just as a reminder. We come together as the people of God to be built up and sent out to meet other people where they live. And the thing is, we're not just talking about a foreign country, which is what we think missionaries. They go across the sea. You don't have to go on a mission trip to Mexico, Africa, or China to follow Jesus' instructions. In fact, very few followers of Jesus throughout history have left their home, their country, their neighborhood. Rather, it's that anyone can be a disciple, and that following Jesus can happen in any corner of the earth, even down the block, around the corner, no matter age, country, race, culture. The mission field is here, right here, right now. It's not somewhere far away, but it's about heading out the door into your own life, your own neighborhood, built up here to follow Jesus out there. It starts outside our doors. That's the second page of the booklet, okay? So flip the page. Third page. Remember that only disciples make other disciples. Only disciples make other disciples. Jesus continues. Baptize them, he says, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's what he says. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus doesn't say, ensure everyone is following the law. Or make sure everybody does what I say. He says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. To obey first. It sees both the people who are on the inside as the same level as those who are on the outside. And the teachings it's talking about are teachings Jesus shares earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, disciplines that we learn as a community of faith. Love your enemies, turn the other cheek, forgive seven times seventy. Rather than seeing ourselves as the people who've got it figured out and need to make people more like us, it sees Jesus as the master and each person as an apprentice of the same master, held to the same standard, everyone in need of the same mercy and the same grace for following short. We don't have any right to share something with somebody that we aren't practicing first. Only disciples make other disciples. Remember that. That's on the third page. Put that in the Xerox machine. And now here's the fourth and final page of the booklet. Maybe it's the most important one. It's about God. (laughs) You know? I feel like, I mean, we have to remind ourselves all the time that it's about God. Jesus ends his final teaching And Matthew's Gospel with these words. Remember, he says, remember I am with you always until the end of the age. And I think that Jesus says remember because this is the page that always gets forgotten in the Xerox process. You know, that's the page you leave at the printer. Emmanuel, God with us. The very presence of the Holy One. In our midst, sometimes we forget that that's what the Jesus way is all about. Living in relationship with God. Not just morals, not just social justice, ideas, or teachings. Here's the package, read it up. No. Not as a way to recruit new members to take over our jobs. But a way of life lived in a living other, the living God. A God who is with us as Ingrid said, the most important word in the Bible, who is with us in our struggles and for us in our brokenness and making new that makes all these other things possible. That's the good news. That's the part that's easy to forget. Here Jesus promises his very presence with his followers until the end of time. Jesus isn't saying, I have endorsed everything you do. Now go ahead and do it but he sees the community of Christ followers as carrying this life-giving, life-changing, world-healing presence and power wherever they go as vessels of the living God. For us to be a priestly people where others look out and see, they reach out and touch, they step in and encounter God in the flesh. It's not about us, that's Always, I mean, I I feel like other people always tell me, well, Ryan, it's not all about you. You know, (laughs) it's not all about us, it's about God. The God who our lives point to and bring into focus. It's about God in the end. That's the fourth and final page. It's all about God. Now, it's true that the Great Commission, that Jesus' instructions have been used and abused in countless ways, but the Great Commission still sits at the heart of the good news. None of us would be here today without it, because life with God is a gift that has the power to change lives and even transform the world. So rather than denying the bad things that Christians have done, we're distancing ourselves from it. A far more fruitful, faithful way is reclaiming the Great Commission. Always, and you know how, I mean, we do so using the IKEA method. Always returning to the instructions over and over And over again, and when we do, we learn to drop our own agendas. We discover that God's work begins in this moment, and the moment we step outside the door, and that God is at work calling people to herself in every corner of the globe. It begins with our own obedience to the way Jesus lived and modeled for us, but it doesn't end there. It ends with the presence of the risen Christ God with us and for us today and every day making us and making all things new it's all about God so we meet may we always remember the IKEA approach May we never forget to read the instructions again. Amen.